Welcome everyone to the Wild West podcast, where we talk to the people shaping how we think about nature, the outdoors, and California's wild places. I'm San Francisco Chronicle travel editor Greg Thomas, and this pod is a place where I interview adventure athletes and environmental advocates and the movers and shakers who are defining and redefining what we do when we go outdoors. Today, we're excited to have big mountain snowboarder Jeremy Jones on the podcast. Jeremy lives in Truckee, but he's made a name for himself trekking up and down and riding some of the most remote peaks on the face of the earth. And on his journeys, he's seen firsthand what climate change is doing to the world's glaciers. And that inspired him to launch a nonprofit group called Protect Our Winters, which rallies outdoor enthusiasts around issues related to climate and the environment. So Jeremy was in San Francisco for a screening of his new film, which is called Ode to Muir, as in John Muir, the famous naturalist. And in the film, Jeremy and a couple friends backpack around the eastern Sierra in winter, and they explore this beautiful territory that's basically untouched. But it's not your typical ski flick. Jeremy calls it a documentary with some snowboarding, and that's because there's a very clear, explicit message in the film about climate change policy and public land protections. So his film tour has really become a call to audiences to go vote in the midterms. And we cover all of that in our discussion, from how Jeremy used John Muir as a muse for this film to how he's trying to lower his personal carbon footprint. Quick note on the pod, I met Jeremy at the Palace of Fine Arts and we got into our discussion pretty quick, so the conversation you're about to hear picks up as we start talking about the Eastern Sierra where his new film takes place. Okay, let's get to it. It's just like this grand, what I call like a Himalayan-sized adventure. You know, in this range that's bookended by San Francisco and LA. It's, I just, to me, that's like, I feel so grateful that we can do that. Eastern Sierra, you're talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't spent enough time back there, but it's, um, I was actually talking to Honold about this the other day, and he was describing how, like, there's basically 10,000 feet of vert for, like, a lot of the Eastern Sierra yeah. in a very short distance. There, and the, the, um, the vastness of it. I mean, you, you think of like the Tetons, which I absolutely adore, but I mean, you could fit at least 15 Tetons in the Eastern Sierra. Um, and it could be maybe much more than that. So the Eastern Sierra, one of the things that's cool about it is it's not particularly developed. Yeah, so it's, you know, you go, um, it's like this really protected range um, which is makes it kind of like I like to um, I love to hike into mountains see new mountains for the first time I've done that all over the world but what's um, what I just feel so grateful for is I can I keep getting to do that in the eastern Sierra I mean I have burned trillions of calories <laughs> to get these views and I keep seeing like oceans of new mountains for the first time and it's we have um, you know why I made this film Ode to Muir we have people like Muir to to thank for that deep wilderness and if you think of their audacity to be like we're you know they protect a lot and there's a lot of places that you have to wonder is like has anyone ever stood right here huh. um, and you're 150 miles from San Francisco yeah it's pretty cool it's super cool um 
Yeah, you know, in the film, I thought it was, I really liked how you brought in statistics about um, basically a little bit of the history of the national parks and how they were yeah. created, and basically how we slowed way, way down in terms of protecting public lands, and obviously national parks aren't the only uh, mechanism for that, but they're, all, they're a really important one. They kind of give these these spots this like high profile, um, yeah. and so people get stoked about them and want to go visit them. And it's something that I've thought about. It's like, you know, we've created like two or three national parks in the last like 15 years or something, 20 yeah. years. And so I just thought it was interesting. And I, I'm curious what your take is on like the current state of affairs because this film gets very political. Right. And uh, in terms of, of setting aside land protections. Yeah. So we don't, you know, in the film, we really celebrate the boldness, creativity, forward thinking, long-term thinking of elected officials to, to, you know, in the past or before this happened, it was land was looked at as like how many feet of timber are in there. Um, and to say, actually, this land's really important for us as a country, us as a society, for humanity. Um, and at that point, it virtually no one had ever done that in the world to, to put a price on land for uh, human experience and let you know nature and wilderness be free um, but today um, you know what it isn't a film about is um, say I guess trying to get more national parks um, you know we make this point of the land you know, it may not be affected, at least where we were anyways, it's not, you know, under threat because of the bulldozer, yeah. it's under threat because of climate. Right. And I had a person um, come to me and go, you know, for 40 years I've been conserving all this land, it's been my life's work, and he's like, now I'm moving to climate because I'm seeing like I conserve, you know, I, I was able to preserve a bunch of land, but I realize now that it's under attack to climate. But... <laughs> To get back to this public lands and this, you know, what we're seeing in like Anwar up in um, Alaska, um, why the public lands are really under attack and it's in um, different places in the West is for this extraction and the leasing of public land for pennies on the dollar to pull coal out of the ground, to put it on a train and ship it to a barge and then ship it to China. That benefits so few people. And that's where I have a problem, the, the, you know, the public land stuff. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the film. So it's called Ode to Muir. It's pretty explicit. Yeah. Um, and it starts off with a quote from Muir, and there are quotes of him, like, peppered throughout the film. And I just wondered if there is one quote or idea, you know, kind of nugget from Muir that, has really, that you've been able to kind of take with you. Uh, you know, through all your, your trips and journeys. Yeah, I mean, every walk with nature one receives far more than he seeks. Um, that's a good one. That, I think, just on the simplest form. I mean, that's why it's like, you know, I just ran back here because I was at the edge of the water. Um, and it's really my power source. Is, is, and it doesn't need to be deep wilderness Sierra. I mean, I can get that walking in the woods off the side of the road and like on this movie tour, for example, 
I'm busy and I'll be like rolling into a bend and go, we only got 20 minutes. I'm looking at a map and going, dude, it's green. Like pull over on the side of the road right here and just start walking into the woods. And how much um, the power that I get from that is just, I feel so grateful that I have found that. It's easy to achieve. It's getting more and more um, richer as I get older. And, uh, and yeah, I'm really grateful for that. And I think that Mirror and his writings was the, you know, one of the first, I don't want to say the first, but, it, you know, that really started articulating um, the power of wilderness on the human spirit. And at the time that he was writing, it was only the written word. There was no photos and um, there was art, paintings. Um, but it just shows like, it's just amazing how powerful his words, his written words were to shape the country. You know, another thing I noticed about this film, it's, a slower pace from a lot of other yeah. it's still got like a killer soundtrack as is sort of the norm these days right. uh, for, for ski films but not a lot of lyrics by the end we're yeah. like we need a song with some lyrics <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah but it was it was a lot slower and kind of more methodical and it's really this sort of like pulling back the curtain on this place yeah. as much as it is like check out this sweet you know these awesome lines or these yeah. pretty arts so I wondered if that was intentional and kind of what you were aiming for with that like how this film is different from others that you've been a part of yeah this was a very different um, you know process um, and we recognized that we really um, built in silence into the film throughout yeah. the whole thing and we looked at it like, if you think in this day and age of, um, and, and this is like, I'm not talking down, like for myself, like the amount that I'm flipping through screens and stuff. Yeah. And going into the edit and my brothers, um, you know, were a big part of it, you know, worked with TGR, who I worked with all these films on, and we're like, we got to have the guts to slow it down. And every time we tried to shorten the film, everything got compressed and we lost the film. Uh, you know, the feeling of the film. Yeah. And we really, you know, when you're out there walking, like, you know, everything slows down and gets quiet and it's the nicest part. And um, and we just wanted that feeling to for someone to come into the theater and almost when it starts, like, wow, this is really slow. Because you're kind of used to the screen whipping by you and then you're like, if you can get, you know, sink into it, which has been exciting. I was terrified on the first viewing. I've never been so scared. But um, it clearly, like, is this meditative, relaxing experience. Yeah, yeah. Definitely a new thing for a ski film. Um, yeah. And I totally enjoy the, like, <laughs> hardcore, like, ripper totally. ski flicks. Totally. I've, I've been part of 50 of them. <laughs> I'm proud yeah. of all of them. Uh, but that's not this film. I call it a documentary with a little bit of snowboarding. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, and then... Not to spoil anything for people who haven't seen the film, but uh, the ending is like a little bit of a sort of a I don't want to say a curveball, but it's a little surprising. Yeah, we get Trump in there. Yeah, yeah um, that was a, yeah, that's. Um, I have yeah. to. That was that must have been your choice, right? I we argued on Trump. I actually didn't want his voice in that. Oh really? Um, but 
it's funny what goes on in the last 15 minutes of the film was the reason I made the film and so it's kind of like how do we get to there we couldn't okay. open with it we couldn't um, and so it's a little bit you know and again when we're making these films it's a group deal and I could have had that you know I conceded but it and there was a lot more of that like that got toned back even more but the the thought all along is like we do want to um, there is a ridiculousness to the 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 words coming out of our president's mouth out of our congressman's mouth I mean we could have had a lot more of that um and it's just, it, it, it just, it just really kills me. And so to juxtapose that with um, what the rest of the world is doing uh, was really that the, it just, you know, we need to show these people that like, this is not how the rest of the world is operating. It's, um, and we have these leaders that are soaked in fossil fuels working for them. They're not working for us. Um, and they're also not, they're, you know, very rogue um, and kind of radical in a bad way. Yeah. So a part of your message with this film and with this um, tour that you're doing right now yeah. is kind of, it feels a little bit like a get out the vote campaign to a certain extent. It, it, it's, yeah, not surprising. And it's actually, um, I mean, this is the first place that we've shown the film that is not um, in what I would call a purple region. Uh, meaning, we've really, like at Protect Our Women's, we're focused on purple zones, you know, where like it could go either way. Yeah. Um, but we do have a lot of supporters for Protect Our Winners um, in, the, in the Bay Area. And right, sure. So it is important, and, and the Bay Area is this techno, you know, it is like the hub, one of the hubs of the world, and we need the Bay Area engaged on this issue. Yeah, in, in those other purple zones, I, you're talking about other parts of the West, basically, right? Yeah. Kind of the Rocky Mountain states. Yeah, Colorado, Montana, yeah. Nevada. I mean, it was, you know, my everyone in my hometown, which we're actually dug in deep on this California 4th District uh, race, but I... Yeah, we should talk about that a little bit. Yeah, but we'll but get there. we, you know, the second place I showed it was at UNR, and everyone's like, what about Tahoe? And I'm like, Nevada's a really important election. we got to get to the kids, and so that's been a priority. Uh, we're showing it in a lot of colleges. Okay. Uh, so... Yeah, have you gotten any... I mean, uh, well, have you gotten any negative feedback? Or, you know, uh, at, at the shows, at the events? I have not, actually. And given... It's a little bit of... Um, you know, we had a show at Chico the other... Uh, two nights ago that I kind of... I thought that I was going to... You know, and I'm pretty... Like, we do a Q&A after it. And I, at this point, I have nothing to lose, man. You know, we're in the 11th hour on this climate fight. And it's, and it's kind of... I don't, um, I don't pick, you know, I'm not as, um, filtered as I once was, um, but I, you know, that room was fired up, um, huh. and that's a, that's been similar to the California 4th District, really dominated by a climate denier, um, and people are fired up on this issue, um, 
And it actually kind of, it's, it's wild to me that, that these um, politicians haven't really sunk in their teeth in on that. I think it's a missed opportunity just from someone who's been out on the road and I've done a lot of films, done a lot of talking and I'm always, you know, again, I was terrified of this film. Now I'm like, I feel really good about it. And people are like really energized um, and they want to talk climate change. And you can't, I think it's been mentioned once in a Senate debate this election cycle, the word climate change. And that, in my mind, is a miss by the Democratic Party. Okay. Yeah, the, there are a lot of, we're sort of in this era where all these pro athletes, whether they're pro sports athletes, yeah. basketball players, football players, but also individual like adventure athletes um, on social media are much more politically outspoken than they have been traditionally. And especially recently I've seen um, social media posts from skiers and climbers and mountaineers that are like, go vote. This is the most important time to vote. Like, now's the time. It may have originated from a text from me. No, not to take credit for all that, but I do digital, um, digital canvassing every day going after these people with voices. Um, and the reality is if you talk to the 25-year-old, which is the non-voter, uh, traditionally, in a horrible voting record, um, and at Protect Our Winners, we focus on the non-voter. I don't, we don't, I'm not going to dark red places. It's not a, um, we don't need them to win. If the world scientific community can't convince them about climate, if the news of these catastrophic storms can't convince them, I don't, I don't have the words for that. But we do um, so success for us and victory comes in getting a 25-year-old, you know, a younger kid fired up. Where are the 25-year-olds? They're on social media. And, um, and I'm always asking them, going, where, where are you getting your news? You going to websites? You doing this? You doing that? And it's just over and over again. It's social media. And then as far as the um, people talking about it, it's, it's not... Um, I don't think that it's like, oh, social media is like taken off and that's why we're doing this. It's, it's what happened to America two years ago is just not okay. Like, and it's not a time to be on the sidelines. And I don't think um, you would see nearly the, you know, the conversation we're having right now. Uh, I mean, social media was plenty popular two years ago and there were people talking about it but I you know what would you say 20% of the you know like there's 90% more conversations on this right now and there needs to be I sort of associate it with the Me Too movement yeah. also the Black Lives Matter movement to a certain extent totally um, I just never, think the more people never you know the Parkland incident yeah. um, but again you know God the that stuff is happening today and it's real and it needs um, and we got elected officials that are trying to brush that stuff under the rug and that is just not okay and they do not represent they definitely don't represent the you know the younger generation of America yeah so everybody who I've to all the um, athletes with strong social followings who I've spoken to have a story about <clears throat> somebody who like a troll or somebody who, uh, you know, annoyed, like 
sort of spoke out against them on social media or, you know, said, this isn't why I follow you. Like, I don't want to hear your... Yeah, stick to climbing, stick, stick to, to snowboarding. Exactly. And so I'm curious if you've actually had any of sort of like the reverse experience where somebody who, where you've actually changed a mind, you know, where somebody who, who was maybe on the fence or wasn't sure came to you to approached honest, you. I, um, I don't, I don't read comments. Um, <laughs> there's nothing, it's just Probably not really make healthy. my life better. I don't want to sit there and again, I, I don't. Me arguing with these deniers, um, a lot of them, you know, they're not my peers. You know, the, the deniers are very organized, loud, of not, you know, and again, you know, not to say that every bad comment is like this, but on, you know, you have one extreme of like where you have these like pretty organized denier groups um, that are vicious. They what they do for fun they're like have this great rhetoric they're just looking for an argument and I don't to me nothing is more sad than someone that really cares about say whether it's climate or something else and they go I want to talk about it but I'm afraid of a bad comment and it happens all the time these people are terrified of a bad comment and at the end of the day, it's such a small percentage of people. Like if you put on this wall, everyone that's super fired up that you stood up for it and everyone that was against it, and then you profiled the people that were against it, and you're like, I'm going to let that, those you know, 0.5% stand out and, and change my view as a human being and have me and like muzzle me, that is... Um, it's sad, but the written word hurts. And if you have these athletes, um, no one, they're used to, they've never had a bad comment in their life. No one's going to Alex Honnold like, dude, you should have placed more bolts there. Or, <laughs> I, you know, I'm sure people are critical that he's free soloing, but um, some are. But, and, but, you know, your average snowboarder, you're like one of the best in the world. Every photo you post is ground you know it's like it's the best method in the world it's the best term in the world no yeah. one is calling out like wow you're not going big enough so those those bad comments just stick out and um and we just can't so i'm trying um hard to like motivate these people to go dude you know we gotta deny the deniers don't let them get to you that's just ridiculous and god forbid you lose a follower uh, yeah I mean that's just sad to, if you really think about it and I wouldn't again dude I would not care if like if you you know accept the facts of science it is so clear that um, we're truly in the 11th hour on this this is an all hands on deck moment again if it if the stakes weren't so high everything I just said about that you know I, I would not nearly have like the, the vigor that I have on that. Um, yeah. So locally, you have kind of taken up a, a stance against Rep. Uh, McClint- Tom McClintock. Yes. And so you, it sounds like this election, this election cycle, this season is really important. What what exactly do you feel like is so urgent about this this election? So we know um, that. 
So let's just take for a minute this, you know, we continue to get these reports um, on, you know, from the global scientific community, this latest one that I think is made up of scientists from 43 countries, um, 43,000 peer-reviewed comments to get to it. I mean, you're, real science. And they actually, they continue to tell us they think they've underestimated um, the issue then it, that we could see like significant change by 2040. I had a, um, a scientist recently um, that studies the Sierra snowpack and he's like, you know, you hear 2040, 2050, these different, you know, whatever, end of the century. I mean, even the Trump administration says we're going to seven degrees by 2100. So you know that's a underestimated. Um, but to put it in our terms, like a kid learning to ski or snowboard today, their kids will be the last kids to ski and snowboard in the Sierra. That's, that's like... So... And then to have... That's the bad news. The good news is the solutions are there. They're being embraced by other countries. They're still, even though we're trying to deflate them. I mean, the, the, the cheapest um, form of energy last year uh, of, to put new energy online was uh, solar. Um, and, and then, but to, to make the change that we need to at the speed we need to, we, it's a combination of, of um, policy and private sector coming together. And we're being run, our country's run by climate deniers all getting paid by the fossil fuel industry, and they are trying to do everything they can to keep us on what we know for certain is a dead-end path. And we're not going to have real action without a country run by climate champions. And we're really, the good news also is we're only talking about, we got to flip, you know, right now it's 51% denier to champion, we just got to flip that. And that's why I protect our winners, we're so focused on the places where we think we can move that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so just to take this back locally, so you live in Truckee these days, yeah. right? And so when you, I was up in, um, in South Lake, other side of the lake the other day. Yeah. And, you know, it's early in the season, but like yeah. peaks and ridges are pretty bare at the moment. It's a little, and it's, uh, so I'm just curious when you are up there and you kind of look around Tahoe these days after a couple rough winters, um, like, what do you see? You were just talking about how you know, I see the future. Again, I'm a, <laughs> the irony of all this, I'm an optimist <laughs> that I can find commonality with anyone. And I will. Like, if I go to dinner, they're like, oh, dude, there's a Trump guy in here. I'm like, sweet, I want to sit next to him at dinner. And not to have a fight with him. I'm not, again, like, I, I think I, I know it. It's not like I got the magic words. It's kind of like, oh, wow, so where's your kid going to school? Such and such. Oh, it's a bummer, dude. You're keeping them out of that science department? Because <laughs> they really contradict your vote. Um, but anyways, um, so I see Tahoe is beautiful. I love it. Um, and right now, you know, it, it's, it's October. Yeah, sometimes we're on snow at this time of year. But it's not, you know, radical that we're not. Yeah. Um, so where it's heartbreaking is... When I'm mountain biking at 10,000 feet in the middle of January, mm -hmm. um, and it's so yeah, it's that's where it gets terrifying to me. Uh, but 
right now I you know I I don't um, I also like accept what is given to me and right now it's like sweet well mountain biking's really good right now let's go biking and um, kind of take what the mountains are giving you um, yeah but yeah the scar tissue of these droughts because the thing is like yeah we have we've had good years bad years but no winter we've had a couple years of no winter and that's not normal yeah so the ski industry is obviously huge up there i was just curious if you have any connection to the resorts or brands or or anybody else who you know um, the local politicians anybody who might be making decisions you know about um how to handle this issue. Because obviously the ski industry has woken up in a major way um, and resorts around Tahoe are doing various things to um, not just make snow, but kind of like hedge against more bad winters. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're, you know, for example, again, solutions are there. I mean, really exciting at Squaw, for example, um, my home mountain. We're going to be run off of, the lifts are going to be run off of, uh, are going to be solar powered. Uh, supposed to go online December. That's awesome. Uh, that's just an example of like, you know, there's this scenario where it's like, oh, and the town, I was at the town meeting getting us to pledge, um, tra- it was again hilarious because I go to Capitol Hill and then I'm at my local town meeting and they go and they vote on going um, 100% clean energy by 2050. Um, we're actually trying to get that to 2030 because there's no reason not to. But whatever, 2050, the country said 2050, 100% clean energy, I'll take it. That's yeah, a great thing. And so long meeting and every, there were six different kind of districts in the town and that goes and says, yeah, this is, we can totally do this. Let's do it. And then we do that and it goes, okay, bring it up to a vote. All in favor, 100% renewable um, or clean energy, say, ah, you know, unanimous. Cool. You're just like, well, that was really easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then squad going like, hey, we should Tesla. We got Tesla down the hill. Like, we, like, let's, and they have a problem right now. Their grid, the grid's all messed up. They're getting, um, they're having it's unreliable. They're have, they have power outages. They you know have to go to this generator which runs everything in half. So their grid has gotten um, is getting way stronger. By they went to their local PUD and said we want to be renewable. Um, and they're you know they're like twenty thirty or whatever. And they're like actually we can kind of do this like right now. So nine acre solar array, uh, like forty five miles from the resort batteries made 30 miles from the resort to store the energy and now we're 100% renewable and that's a or will be um, great great story want to do that everywhere but at the end of the day just to go back to the if you think of like how at risk uh, their business is yeah I'm frustrated they're not doing more and I'm frustrated the outdoor industry is not doing more yeah, what would you like to see, um, you know, maybe just from yeah. the ski industry specifically? Because, like you said, they're kind of the ones that are going to be... They're sort of the canaries in the coal mine a little bit. Because um, with climate change, like, if the winters start to be seriously affected, everything starts to warm up, the snowpack continues falling, 
Um, like they're the ones that are going to miss out immediately. Yeah. Um, so for me, I would say the, and there are, you know, a lot of like that squaw story, like that's happening and they're reducing, um, where you're seeing, um, these, these, these resorts get better at reducing their footprint. But again, at the, to, to like really keep snow around by 2100, we needed at a much, um, we need much bigger changes, uh, as a country and. I'd like to see them and, and to just take, for example, the outdoor industry is bigger than the pharmaceutical industry and the oil extraction industry combined. Now, I can tell you, you go to Capitol Hill with the pharmaceutical company lobbying, they know, they, or the extraction fossil fuel industry lobbying, you know, they strike the fear of God in the, um, these politicians and the outdoor industry we're just we need to come together and really use our voice and, and demand we you took a bad vote on acting on climate we're you're gone and that's basically what they these other um, groups do and we're not doing that we're not definitely not doing that as a as from the resort perspective and we're definitely not doing it as an outdoor industry perspective yeah <clears throat> so you just think more uh, sort of political act, uh, political activity in general. Yeah, it's, a, it's a massive um, again from a jobs creation. I mean, you're talking you know significantly more jobs than say those two industries. Um, and so when we go to Capitol Hill, we talk about jobs, and that's our lever because they everyone understands jobs and. Um, we explain that it's a jobs issues and the difference between take Truckee on a, on a no winter and a winter. I mean, from an economic perspective, that is massive. It's, you know, to, well, put it this way, a ski area closing down affects uh, a region a lot more than a coal mine closing down from a jobs perspective and an economic perspective. Yeah. Um, well, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but... Yeah, well, um, you can. I, give me the heart. I, I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but this is something I've asked other um, athletes who, you know, are similarly environmentally conscious yeah. and are active about climate change. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they... You know, athletes make their, you know, they, they build themselves up and sort of make their name by traveling to these foreign places and yeah. like going and bagging peaks or whatever. And, you know, and so, you know, if you're trying to like manage your own personal kind of carbon footprint, like taking an airplane ride somewhere just tanks it. Like there's nothing that you can do totally. personally to recover yeah. from that. And so I guess I just wonder like how you've sort of reconciled that and how, you know, in your own travels and in your own career yeah. and, um, you know, and, and how you maybe think differently about it today or, or what you're doing differently today. Well, first of all, like we've been working with Protect Our Winners to try, um, or, you know, it's actually our really nitty gritty uh, kind of political work is our C4 POW Action Fund. Um, and so 
we're fighting hard to pass this carbon fee, which again, you know, if you dig into it like that needs to happen. So just generally you pollute, you pay. Um, but me personally and my personal carbon footprint live a very examined life. Um, it's why 98% of my snowboarding is Sierra based. Um, that's been a really easy thing. Um, I do, you know, I do get on planes significantly. I was thinking about it the other um, day. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm like middle back row on the planes these days. There was a time when I was like getting bumped to first class. I've lost every, any and all um, status I had with an airline because I've cut down on flying. Um, and, you know, I'd say pretty significantly. And as far as like, pro snowboard stuff dramatically um, but I go to Europe twice a year um, I go to the ISPO trade show um, I go so the, from a business perspective that's been harder I have an international business and I could we have a trade show we do it in Europe uh, every year I could have everyone come to me and I could sit here and be like sweet man I got no carbon footprint and I can right do every you know when I there's like a couple key design meetings that I do which I'll go so I was thinking in, I'm going to Europe going to two trade shows and I think I'll have 20 other meetings in that trip so um, get a ton out of it but yeah just to cut down yeah so just thinking in that manner I go to so because I have to go to ISPO every year that's when I go to Europe um, and I you know I spent a month there last year and so I plan around that um and then there is, you know, like full disclaimer, like um, one of my biggest sponsors got this new product or, and also with me again, with snowboards, like we tried to, we've done a great job of moving our testing cycle. So we, you know, can avoid um, having to go to the Southern hemisphere, but it happens where I have to go. And, and again, instead of going with eight people, I'll go to, I would utilize people down there. Um, but Sometimes we have to go for critical testing and go to, you know, go to the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, but so, live and examine deal. Um, proud to say that my footprint has reduced every year since, I, actually that's not true because there was a point where, before I started the snowboard company, um, that it had rapid decline. That, the international business stuff's brought it up a little bit. Um, but in general, I would say my personal footprint what I've always tried to do is just make it better than the year before. Don't let perfect get in the way of good. Don't let, um, you know, easy target to attack. I get it. But at the end of the day, um, that the effects of that, again, take a pro athlete. Well, I can't talk about climbing because I um, travel to the Himalaya every year and go climbing. And that's a bummer that that is because the reality is is that the climbing community stops flying to the Himalaya to go climbing. That's not getting us out of our jam. Um, and, and it's kind of like we're all pointing fingers, calling everyone a bad guy. And, and yes, you should absolutely live and examine life, and I do that. But make no mistake about it, we're getting, um, we need like major, major change. Uh, and we need it, you know, we need it at the, from our, elected officials and um, that's gonna really be the difference that we need yeah I mean 
I guess to sort of bring this full circle, one of the things that I really appreciate about this film and others that you've done is, you know, you're showing, like you were saying, the backyard, basically, of California, this place that is accessible to all of these people, that's amazing and huge, um, and this, you know, this whole wilderness area where people can hang out that is kind of often overlooked by them. And um, so I just think that's a really cool message. I think that a lot of people... um, often look when they think about traveling or doing, going outside, doing fun things, they, they think of these ma- like major destinations and maybe you're sort of overlooking like what's right in their immediate vicinity. Yeah, and that film, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to fly home to go do that. I mean, that is what I've been doing. And these droughts, I have scar tissue from those droughts because I ride those droughts. You know, I have an electric bike to get me to snow now. Like, I'm dug in on the Sierra and I'm out there ride. I know how to ride a 12 inch base I've did you know I've done it I'll spend I'm committed to that um, yeah I could hop on a plane and get out of there but my life is set up I live in the Sierra for a reason and um, so yeah but I appreciate I actually um, appreciate you asking that question cool appreciate the questions appreciate the opportunity Definitely. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, yeah, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I know you've no got worries. a show going on. Cool. Awesome. Right. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. No problem. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Jeremy for making time to come on the podcast. If you want to keep up on what he's up to, follow him on Instagram at Jeremy Jones. If you want to learn more about his nonprofit group, uh, check out protectourwinters.org. Also, he's releasing his film online for free for a 24-hour period starting on uh, Sunday, November 4th. So for more info on that, check out Teton Gravity Research online at tetongravity.com. If you want to follow what I'm up to with California Travel, I'm on Twitter at Greg R. Thomas. Or if you've got questions for me or suggestions for who I should bring on the pod, email me at gthomas at sfchronicle.com. Wild West is a part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you like us, please throw us a rating and a review. Our music today is a track called Coming Home by Ryan Anderson, and it comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive. See you next time.